0: One of the mottos of our nation is e pluribus unum. Now, when I was a kid, I always thought that that was Latin for in God we trust. Anybody else think that when you were a kid, maybe? Well, e pluribus unum means in God we trust. That's not what it means. That's actually on the flip side of the quarter. Uh, On all of our money, it says in God we trust. But on the back side of the corner, you'll see that phrase up there, e pluribus unum. And what it means is out of many, one. Out of many, one. Now, when I think about that phrase, I think about our country. And I think about why this is one of our national mottos, along with In God We Trust. And I think about how we need unity in our land. Uh, I think about the Pledge of Allegiance, for example. I pledge allegiance to the flag. We are one nation under God, indivisible. Now, this last Tuesday, we had an election. Anybody hear of it? <laughs> see anything on the news about it? Maybe. So we had this election in our nation, and, and I mistakenly had the notion, mistakenly had the belief on that Wednesday we could all go back to being friends again. Facebook proved me wrong. Terribly wrong. Horribly wrong. There is such division in our nation, and I see it everywhere. When I woke up on Wednesday and I started looking at Facebook and, and social media and the protests going on around our country and I thought to myself, we are one nation divided. We are one nation at each other's throats. I, I think about how, you know, we, we, uh, we have divided ourselves along racial lines. We have divided ourselves along political lines. We have divided ourselves along geographical lines. We have divided ourselves. And I think to myself, this should not be. I think to myself, how did this happen? How are we so divided? What happened to our indivisible nation? You know, we we all have our personal preferences. We all have our political candidates and our political leanings. And we have our political parties and, and all these different things. Yeah, we got all this going on and we are so divided as a nation. And it scares me. It worries me to be this divided as a people. Um, I, I I know that we're all different in this country, and, and let's face it, we are. We come from different places. I, I've always heard, how many of you ever heard that America's a melting pot, right? Heard that phrase before, we're a melting pot. We've come from all over the world, and we've come to here live here in America, and people have come from every continent on the planet, except for Antarctica, and we just ship penguins in from there. Um, but we have people from you know, Africa and Asia and Europe and South America and Australia and North America, people from everywhere come to America. Some come of their own desire because they want a better opportunity or they want freedom, they want liberty. Some people were forced to come here. And we have all these differences. We're, we have different ages, genders, different preferences and opinions, and they've divided us, terribly divided us. And we have lost sight of the most important thing. Because not only do they divide us as Americans, but I've seen that they have divided us as Christians. I've seen people in this room with one another who are here in this room today lash out at other people in this room who are here today, whether they were in the first service or this service. I've seen people lash out at one another. I've seen, I've seen people you know, load up on, on their favorite news channel as, as ammunition against one another in, in the church. I think this should not be. This is not why Jesus died. Is this what Jesus died for? Was a divided church? And the answer is no. And so we have all this division in our land, and it's infecting the church. And not just the church universal, but it's affecting GFCC. And that worries me, and that scares me, because I know that that's not what Jesus wants. And so I, 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 I listen to the news, and I, and I watch Facebook, and I just shake my head in disbelief that because of the button that I pushed on Tuesday, I've had people who don't want to be my friend anymore. And, and you do too. I've seen so much ugliness on TV and on social media, even among fellow believers. And it's because we've lost sight of the most important thing. And that the most important thing is the most important important thing and so you may be asking yourself okay Sean well what is it what is the most important thing what is the most important thing we'll get to that in a little bit I made a decision this week I decided to put the series on James on hold I decided that we were going to talk about unity today unity in the church And I can think of no better passage of Scripture than John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. If you've got your Bible, please turn there. If you didn't bring your Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It looks like this. It's on page 766. Or you can use your favorite app on your uh, tablet or smartphone. However you can look this up, please look it up. John 17, 20 through 26. And today we're going to talk about how we can be one. And why we need to be one. One, Why we need unity, because there's some very good reasons for unity in the church, that we need to be united, that we need to be unified, and we need to have unity in the church. Some very good reasons for it, and we're going to get into those in just a minute. Now, John 17 is Jesus' longest recorded prayer in the Bible, in the Gospels. We have John chapter 17, and in John 17, Jesus prays for three things. First, he prays for himself that God would give him strength uh, to endure the cross because that's where he was going. He was going to die for the sins of the world the very next day. And that's exactly what Jesus did. This is the night before he was crucified, the night before he went to the cross. And he went to the cross and he suffered and died for our sins that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We'll talk about that in a minute. That if you'll believe in Jesus and repent from your sins, confess your faith and get baptized, God will forgive your sins. He will wash you clean in the blood of the Lamb and you will have the promise of eternal life and the fulfillment, the the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's what it says in the book of Acts. And so when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, he forgives our sins and changes our lives and our destiny. And so Jesus, the night before he goes to the cross, is praying for himself and then he prays for his disciples, those who were around him at that time, his disciples. And he's praying that God would give them strength and that they would be bold and brave and that they would preach the word and that God would sanctify them by the truth. And Jesus says, your word is truth, that the word of God is the truth of God. And then he prays for us. Did you know that the night before Jesus died, You were on his mind. I was on his mind. He prayed for every single one of us the night before he was crucified. And we find this part of the prayer in John 17, verses 20 through 26. And I want to take this in three little chunks. We're going to look at verses 20 through 23, and then we're going to look at verse 24, and then we'll look at verses 25 and 26. And we're going to talk about what these verses mean, and then we're going to apply them to our lives here at the church, And then we have a challenge for you. And then something special we're going to do in just a little bit. So let's look at John 17, verses 20 through 23. And this is what Jesus prays. He says, My prayer is not for them alone. He's talking about his disciples. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be what? Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be, what? As we are. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete, what? Unity. To let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. There are two things that Jesus wants us to know. There's two things that Jesus wants in the first part here. One, Jesus wants the world to know that the Father sent the Son and Jesus wants the world to know that the Father loves the world. And how does this happen? It happens when we are one, when we are united, when we are one in the church and when we are united in the church, we testify. Our testimony is that the Father sent the Son, Jesus Christ, and that the Father loves the world. That's what Jesus said, that if we will be one, if we will be united, just as God, the Father is united with God, the Son, if we will demonstrate that kind of unity in the church, then the world will know that the Father sent the Son and that the Father loves the world. And what more do we have to say to the world other than that God loves you and that He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for you? That's what it's all about, right? Right? Amen? Amen. And so if we are disunited, if we do not have unity in the church, if we do not unify in the church, then we betray this message. Because let's face it, we all come from different places. We have different backgrounds. We have different religious backgrounds. We have uh, different people from different churches who have come here over the last several years. We have different ethnic backgrounds. We have people from different places. We have people of different colors. We have people uh, of different... Um, genders. We have all kinds of differences. There's all kinds of things that can make us divided. But through Jesus Christ, what he prayed for the night before he was crucified, the thing that he prayed for was unity. That even though we have all these things that may divide us, we are called to be one. We are to be the answer to Jesus's prayer and to be one, to be united in his blood and in his name. Because like I said, there are so many things that could divide us. But if we will love one another, and there's nothing we can't do. In John 13, 35, Jesus said this, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you what? Love one another. That if we will have this agape love, this unconditional love for one another, if we will love each other deeply from the heart, as the Bible says, this unconditional kind of love, that it doesn't matter who you voted for, it doesn't matter where you live, it doesn't matter what candidate you support or don't support, it doesn't matter if your candidate won, it doesn't matter if your candidate lost, it doesn't matter if you didn't vote at all, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter any of that stuff. It doesn't matter because I love you unconditionally. Because Jesus loves us unconditionally. And we are called to love each other the way that he loves us. And the world, he says, everyone is going to know that we are his followers, that we follow Jesus. Everyone's going to know that if we love each other. If we really, truly, deeply love each other. And get out of our way if we do that. Because nothing can stop us if we will be united in the love of Jesus. There's an old slogan I came across in a commentary, and I love this. When the church is one, the world will be one. If we want to win people to Jesus, we have to be one in Jesus. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense to me. Because the world looks at people who fight and says, just like everyone else. The world looks at churches that fight with one another and say, I don't want anything to do with that. I mean, why would anybody want to come to a church where people hate each other? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense, does it? Why would people want to go to a church where people are fighting and bickering and quarreling all the time? You can get that at home. But if you can come to a church, if you can come to a church where people truly love each other and care for one another and encourage each other and build each other up and forgive each other and sometimes even bear with each other, if you can come to a place where you will be loved and accepted and welcomed and cherished and encouraged and built up, why wouldn't you want to be there? why would you want to go anywhere else? And it happens when we love each other in unity in Christ Jesus. Let's keep going. Look at verse 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Now, what's interesting there is that there's a a little bit of theology that we need to re- recognize, that Jesus was with the Father before the creation of the world. Jesus is not a created being. Jesus has always existed eternally. So Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus is God. God if the Father is God, the Spirit is God, the Father, Son, and Spirit are one. And they have existed eternally. They never, there's never been a time when God was not. There's never been a time when Jesus was not, and there's never been a time when the Spirit was not. They have existed eternally. So Jesus was not a created being that God filled. Jesus is God and has been God forever and always will be. Now one of the things that Jesus says that we learn about Jesus in this passage uh, is that um, he wants us to uh, be with him where he is. And Where he is, is where we want to be. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is in heaven at this very moment, ruling and reigning at the right hand of God the Father. And he wants us to be with him. There's two things. I told you there were two things that Jesus wants for us in, in the fr- previous passage. There's two things that he wants for us in this passage. One, Jesus wants us to be with him to see his glory. And two, Jesus wants everyone to be with him to see his glory. There is no one on this planet that God doesn't want to go to heaven. God wants everyone to go to heaven. The Bible tells us that God desires that no one should perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. God wants everyone to be saved, everywhere. And so Jesus says that if we will be one, if we will be united, we can preach that message to the world, this message of repentance and forgiveness. We can preach that if we're one, if we're working together. But if we are working against one another, if we are not one, if we are not working together, if we are not loving each other, then our words are empty and again, why would anybody want to go to a church that is always bickering and fighting with one another? But if we are one, and if we love each other deeply from the heart, if we care for one another, and if we build each other up, this is a, we, we won't have enough room for everybody who wants to be here. Because that's what people are longing for, is that love and that acceptance and that welcome and that friendliness. And we do a good job of that. But there's times when we don't. We need to work together. And that means sometimes we've got to look past some of those things that will divide us in order to find and focus on the most important thing. I'll talk about that in just a second. Let's read the last couple verses here. John 17, 25 and 26. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Two more things that Jesus wants. Jesus wants the love of the Father to be in us and Jesus wants to be in us. He wants that unconditional love of God to be in us so that we we may love one another unconditionally. And Jesus wants to be in us. He wants us to have that unity with him as we have unity with one another. And that's why Jesus died, to make us one with himself. In John three sixteen, it's a verse that we all know. We've heard a thousand times. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's what it's all about. When I talk about how the most important thing has to be the most important thing, the most important thing is Jesus. The most important thing to the church is Jesus Christ. So I'll be perfectly honest and terribly blunt. I don't care who you voted for. I don't care why you voted for them. I don't care who won. I don't care who lost. Because in the end, I know who wins. And his name is Jesus. So like I said, I don't care who you voted for. Your candidate didn't die for your sins. Jesus died for your sins. And the problem is, is that we get too attached to this world we think we're home here and the the bible tells us that we are not home here the bible tells us that we belong somewhere else so there's two important things i want you to remember this is the last couplet okay the two important things i want you to remember one i want you to remember that jesus is the most important thing and the second thing i want you to remember is that this world is not your home this world is not your home philippians chapter 3 verses 18 through 21 says this My friends, there is a home in heaven awaiting us, and this isn't it. This isn't the end of the story. This isn't the end of the line. We have a home in heaven, and that's where we belong. So I have a challenge for you today, and some of you are not going to like this. Some of you are not going to like me, and I don't care. I'm trying to get over that. If you hurt someone this week over this election, if you broke fellowship with somebody this week over this election, if you are sitting in this room right now and you're looking across the room at somebody else going, I can't stand that person right now because I know they voted for blank. If you talked bad about someone in this room or in our church, if you slammed someone in our church, My challenge for you today is to apologize. Ooh! And the air was just sucked out of the room at all that one moment. You want me to what? You have no idea. You want me to what? I can't do that. I I don't have to do that. And yes, you do. Because if you hurt someone, and if you broke the unity of Jesus' church over a presidential election or whatever other election then you have broken Jesus' prayer. Because Jesus prayed for what? Unity. That we would be one. So I want you to go to somebody that you may have hurt this week and apologize to them and ask for their forgiveness. But Sean, I don't care. The unity of our church is more important than your political leanings. And I didn't get an amen out of that, so apparently either y'all fell asleep or you're really mad at me right now. And I don't care. Because the unity of our church is more important than politics. The unity of our church is more important than who is sitting in the White House. The unity of our church in Jesus Christ because Jesus is the most important thing because only Jesus can save us. And if we forget that, if we forget that Jesus is the most important thing, then our church will fall apart because he is the one who holds us together. So, As a sign of unity, we're going to do something a little different this morning. I need the worship team to come up on stage, and I need you all to stand up. Whatever you got in your hands, put it down. And what I want you to do as we close this sermon in prayer, I want you to hold hands. Across the aisle, with everybody, some of you are thinking, "Uh, I don't want to. And some of us on stage are thinking, we don't care saying that an awful lot today, but we need to hold hands and we need to pray, because we are one family, we are one church, and we are going to pray together for unity in our body, that we may show the world that Jesus is who He says He is.